Welcome to From Duck Till Dark, Outside the Marvel Studios. An audio celebration of the films based on Marvel Comics characters released before and during the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Enough said. Facefront true believers, this is George Soroy, and welcome to the latest episode of From Duck Till Dark, Outside the Marvel Studios. This is part of the But Wait, There's More batch of extra episodes that are coming out simply because we need to finish up this run of different Marvel movies that have come out before and during the run of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, I had completed the 30-day challenge of National Podcast Post Month, which is simply recording and posting a podcast episode every day for 30 days. I'm very proud of myself for doing that before the midnight mark on November 30th. However, there are still five more episodes that needed to be covered. And we have covered X-Men Apocalypse. We have covered Logan. We've covered Deadpool 2. We have covered Venom. And here we are at the final film of this run. And that is 2019's Dark Phoenix. This one has a very interesting story attached to it because it was around 2017, around the time that Logan had come out and had made its mark as one of the finest comic book films ever made. But it was at the same time that Disney had started moving things along with acquiring the assets of what's known as 21st Century Entertainment. And what that means is all of the 20th Century Fox television and film assets, their whole catalog, which includes, as you see on Disney+, Plus, The Simpsons. But it also includes everything else that, 20, that uh, has come out through under 20th Century Fox. And that includes Fantastic Four, it includes Daredevil, it includes the X-Men. And that was moving along during this, uh, during this time. Deadpool 2 was able to go about its business and, and come out and become the smash hit that it was. But around, but around the beginning of 2019, that was when things were becoming official that all of a sudden now 20th Century Fox was going to be under the Disney banner. Now, that meant that they could basically do whatever they wanted with it, which they have already started that, started doing that. Um, but it also means that, that, that assets like the X-Men, like Fantastic Four, like Daredevil, would all find their way to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We've already gotten confirmation from Kevin Feige at Marvel Studios that, that Charlie Cox, who starred as Matt Murdock slash Daredevil in the Netflix series, he will return. He will remain Daredevil, which is great news. That means that that series that came, that, uh, came before and the miniseries, The Defenders, that's all going to be canon, which is great. And they did, they did show their intentions to bring the Fantastic Four to the big screen. However, that may fall into place. Who knows? I know that they were coming out with one date and then they decided to switch it to another date. But what's really interesting is that while all this was going on, while the negotiations were underway, while all the negotiations were underway, Simon Kinberg had stated his intentions to basically redo X-Men The Last Stand. 
And in this in this case, since he is such a big fan of the Dark Phoenix storyline, he wanted to, quote unquote, do it right. And there's one teensy little problem there. We had X-Men Apocalypse in 2016, which was which was definitely it was still a hit. But at the same time, you can see that the engine was sputtering um, when it came to the X-Men franchise as a whole. Now, Logan comes out in 2017 and is a colossal hit, but they were basically saying that that they were hanging their hat on the fact that this is Hugh Jackman's final performance as Logan, as Wolverine. And therefore, that was what was really kind of driving its success. Like everything that uh, Hugh Jackman had been doing as this character, it all came down to that one movie. And yeah, it was glorious and it was a wonderful ending. That's the way it felt. It felt like it was an ending to the X-Men franchise. So the fact that this one was coming out basically got a very anemic response when it came to the release of the trailer, when it came to the release of the poster, when it came to like the buildup. And then it, they didn't do themselves any favors by pulling the initial release date. Originally, it was supposed to be around fall of 2018. And then it became, I think it was like about February of 2019. And then it eventually would wind up being May of 2019. So it, it bumped its release date back several times because of some reshoots that needed to be done. And when there were the amount of reshoots that needed to be done would push the release date back that amount, and then back again, there were definitely signs that this was a troubled film. And then you throw in the fact that normally 20th Century Fox is really adamant about making their release dates, and they would make those release dates at the detriment of the movie itself. So here you are with with this studio that is in the process of being bought out, and then you have this... Um, originally a pretty solid release date and then all of a sudden pushing it back further and then back further and then back further you get the feeling like their heart wasn't in this one it was very much like this period of time so i'm gonna just bring in this weird analogy in 1955 the brooklyn dodgers win the world series and then in 1957 they're gone they have headed over to los angeles and then it's not for a few more years when Ebbets Field, their, the place that they called their home, was finally torn down. And until then, that it was just kind of sitting there, collecting dust, doing nothing, and a symbol to all of Brooklyn that those glory days are gone. Now, picture the 1955 Dodgers, the ones that won it all. That is Days of Future Past right there. And then 1956, they go back to the World Series, they lose to the Yankees. And so consider that X-Men Apocalypse. It was a success, but it didn't quite reach the sort of heights. And then in 1957, that's when they're gone. And you get that sense of finality that that time, that those glory days, they're over and they're not coming back. And that's what you see at the end of Logan. He's gone. He is not coming back. And that you don't see any sort of sign or anything that, that, that shows that he is going to come back at all. He was finally completely gone. He was dead. Now, that was 2017. So here comes 2019 when Dark Phoenix comes out. No sign of Logan. This is taking place in the 1990s. 
This is picking up from the storyline that was finished at the end of X-Men Apocalypse. And here you have the characters kind of like blowing the dust off of the mansion for one more run. It was very similar to, in a way, Star Trek Nemesis. Star Trek, Star Trek had finished up, people thought that it had finished up its run in the, on the big screen with Star Trek Insurrection, which was a lesser, uh, still, you know, a somewhat success at the box office, but still very much like a lesser movie compared to Star Trek First Contact. So that's what you got, really. With, with Days of Future Past being the first contact. I'm throwing out analogies all over the place, but that's basically what it all feels like. And then you have a Star Trek first contact mirroring X-Men Days of Future Past, and then you have X-Men Apocalypse mirroring Star Trek Insurrection. And when that happens, when you see like uh, the now bald Xavier and the door to the danger room shutting, you think that like, okay... That's pretty much where everything, it's a nice circular kind of setup. Now we can, you know, that we can consider that done. But a few years later, that's when Star Trek Nemesis comes out and everyone had to have contract negotiations done to come back for one more movie. And so it felt like everyone was a little bit rusty. And that's what this one feels like too, Dark Phoenix. It feels like, it just feels like everyone was not quite there. It took a little bit for them to really kind of get back into the sort of mode that they need to be in. There were some things that I felt worked, and then I felt that there were quite a few things that did not. Um, now, talking about the movie itself, like enough with the analogies, let's talk about the movie itself. Overall, I enjoyed it. I feel like it did not deserve to be kind of swept under the rug the way that it did. I felt that there was more positive than negative. However, those negatives really sought to bring the movie down. Now, a big part, a big positive for me was Jennifer Lawrence coming back one more time as Mystique. I did not care for the makeup this time. I felt like that was kind of like a, a compromise, saying, like, this is as much blue as I'm going to get, um, especially when you think of how she was in Days of Future Past and First Class. So it feels like, even though makeup-wise, it felt like it was kind of going through the motions and really kind of almost half-assing it, I felt like her what she was trying to do and everything and trying to set herself up as the as Charles's main consultant, you can say. I I liked all of that. I wish that they had made a mention since the makeup is so drastically different than the the other films. I wish they had just made like some sort of mention about her wanting to like still trying to be more human than she than she was before, than she looked before. Now, with Jean, with Jean Grey, it's Jean Grey is a tough character to really kind of crack in, in the movies. And I didn't realize just how tough it was for this character to, to work on the big screen until I really saw this one. Because here we get, we get a, a perfect illustration of what uh, Jean Grey slash Marvel Girl slash Phoenix are in the comics. Jean Grey in the comics, she... Um, she witnessed something very traumatic and that kind of triggered the mutant gene in her, G-E-N-E. And it became like it became something where Xavier saw great powerful potential within her, but uh, but he kind of like mentally dialed her back. So that way she could be basically just like a, a telekinetic in order to, you know, like move things. But he hid the fact from her that she was also a telepath. 
And so, but then after a while, when he realized that she had matured, he had loosened those chains and had let her kind of be herself. And it wasn't long after that is when she encountered this being from, from the galaxy known as the Phoenix. And what the Phoenix did was amplified all of her powers. And it got to a point where those powers were too much for her to control. And she eventually lost all control and then reveled in the fact that she had lost control and then became Dark Phoenix. But it comes off. You can make that work in the comics. But if you're only working with a certain amount of time for a film, then you have to keep things as streamlined as possible if you're going to do that. And I felt like I may be in the minority, but I feel like the way that Gene's powers were handled in the original trilogy was the way to go. Because instead of her powers being restricted by Xavier and then and then he gives them back and then another being comes over and amplifies those powers, it's too much. It's, it's too convoluted. You need to have her powers be so dangerous that Xavier pulls those powers back and sets up some mental bonds. And then once Gene uses Cerebro to find out where Magneto was going in the first film, those bonds started to crack. And then we see that in full full view in X2 when those, those powers are becoming more and more and more pronounced to the point where she is in a Phoenix-like form at the end of the film. And then in part three, in The Last Stand, she's unleashed, basically. And so what needed to be done was that. And unfortunately, by trying to be, by trying to give us something that was so faithful to the comic, I admire Simon's intentions, but I feel like he kind of, he hurt himself by wanting to be that loyal because we had Gene as a child, create an instance where she would wind up being responsible for the death of her mother. And it was that instance that brought Xavier to Jean, and that's when he realized the potential within her and then pulled back those reins. But he never loosened those reins. He never decided to give them back. They only happened, they only wind up being loosened by the phoenix itself. So that was one step that he was able to take out, which I appreciated. But it was basically just like it was bringing in that power of the Phoenix power and it amplifies what she's got, but it doesn't quite work. And it feels like she needed to be completely enveloped by that Phoenix and to be getting a whole new set of powers instead of just amplifying the ones that she's already has. So it creates you know like a a bit of a a bit of an issue I think with the with the storytelling. And a really big issue that I have with the story is the aliens that come in to basically find the phoenix because the phoenix apparently destroyed their world and this character with her minions they become someone who is seeking the power of the phoenix but they're not looking for revenge they're looking to kind of control gene so it's messy that's the best possible word i can come up with it is messy if if this was something that was already within her 
that had potential to come out and really be unleashed in a way that would show like some sort of a some sort of an evolution. Right now, it just feels like like she is being given she's got like one guitar with a small amplifier and then she's given one big amplifier and that's what she's got right now so it feels like she (sighs) this was a tough one this was a real tough one and it feels like just kind of coming to the finish line of all these movies there was a lot that i did like in it and i feel like by by constantly sticking with the whole element of the phoenix then I'm not being fair to the other stuff that did work because there is a lot of really good stuff in there. I loved a lot of the acting. I was glad to see that that no one phoned in the acting, not even Jennifer Lawrence. I thought Nicholas Holt was great as Beast, once again. James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, I thought they, they did really, really well. I like Ty Sheridan as Cyclops. I think that he actually, you know, like, made me feel this time around that, yes, he and Gene have been in a relationship and they have good chemistry together. He and Sophie Turner. I like the rest of the X-Men. I think that they were all really kind of showing some comfort, really, just being in their roles. And the whole train sequence that was done for the climax, I thought that was awesome. I thought that was really good. And it was a really good way to show the X-Men really letting loose with all of their powers, not just Jean with hers. So there's a lot to like. And I really I really liked the how Eric Lanchere, Magneto, has formed his own colony of mutants. And I feel like they missed a shot to really allow the X-Men to get wrapped up into the MCU in a really interesting way. I was under the impression, and this was before I saw the movie. I knew the movie was coming out, and I had also known that the Disney deal had been done. So what I was really curious about was how they were going to incorporate the X-Men into the MCU because I felt it would be, I didn't want them to to do another reboot because they look at the first, a lot of people look at the first class uh, timeline as a reboot when it's not, it's a prequel. But then it goes in its own direction because of the events of Days of Future Past and that kind of frees it from going, from having to stick to the continuity of the original films. But what I really liked about what I really wanted to see was an end credit scene right at the very end, all all the way, you know, like through the through the end credits and everything, and have their own end credit stinger. And it would show Xavier being told by someone off camera that while they appreciate everything that that Charles has done, while they appreciate everything the X-Men have done, that maybe it's time for the betterment of mankind that mutants basically don't come out for a while. And so Xavier goes in the Cerebro and he goes ahead and basically does something there that kind of allows a a little bit of a shield over mutants and allows them to be safe from any sort of persecution for the time being. And he would turn around and tell and tell them that um, he has done as as he was asked. But if the need should come, they would be ready for them. And then the camera would pan over and you'd see that Xavier's talking to Nick Fury. And it would be the Nick Fury from the 1990s, since that's where this this is where Dark Phoenix takes place. So then it would cut to black and it would say the X-Men will return. And boom, just like that, the X-Men are now part of the MCU and kind of ready to come in at a moment's notice. It doesn't look like they're going to go in that direction, but it was something that I thought would have been nice. But it feels like this one was a bit of a missed opportunity. Um 
the public had accepted the fact that when Logan came out, that was going to be the end of the X-Men movies. So it felt like in this case, it was the party continuing after all the cool people had left. And that's where we wound up being with Dark Phoenix. And it really was kind of swallowed up by the momentum of Avengers Endgame. And then about a month after this one was released, that's when Spider-Man Far From Home came out. So it had no chance. As far from what I remember, I think it opened up in third place. So it was pretty much DOA, unfortunately. And that's a shame because I appreciated what Simon Kinberg was doing. It was, I think he showed a good eye as a debut director. And I hope that when the X-Men eventually make their appearance in the MCU, because it's going to happen, I hope that Simon is because I do think he has a lot to offer. And considering everything that's been going on with Brian Singer, I really hope that Simon is the one to continue on and not Brian. And it's a shame that this movie kind of had to end the franchise on such a whimper, but I'm looking forward to the next wave. So that is my take, a bit of a rambling take, but at the same time, that's kind of the way that this movie was. It was going up and down, up and down. And so that's the way that this one was for me. I feel like at the end of it all, there were more hits than misses. So it does go into the recommendation spot for me, although getting very close to the mild recommend, but it it is still there. I believe that, that those who were so quick to dismiss it, I think should give it another look or at least a first look. And, but that wraps things up. This has been a really fun adventure going through all these films and and it's been a real it's been a real joy kind of rediscovering a lot of them and giving some that I had originally discarded just another look and realized that they actually had a lot more to offer than I thought. The biggest surprise for me was Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. I had such a blast with that movie and I'm looking forward to what the future holds for all of these Marvel movies. I like the fact that they still exist and it's not just the Marvel Cinematic Universe because as much as I love the MCU and I will continue to support it, it is great to see other takes on these kinds of characters, that they're not just sticking to this one universal way of handling them and trying to basically kind of fill the void that Robert Downey Jr. has already left. So... I am I'm looking forward to the future of the comic book genre in general. I think that uh, that as long as as long as the right people are working with them and that they care about the material and that they care about the characters, there's really, you know, no limit to where they can go with this. So that wraps things up for season 1 of From Duck Till Dark outside the Marvel Studios. Like I said, I do have plans for a season 2. I just don't know what they are yet. So I am looking forward to your feedback. And if you have any sort of suggestions, if you would like to know more about what I would like to do, if you have have any comments about what I'd like to do, whatever the case, I'd like you to participate on the Facebook page. So just go to facebook.com slash from duck till dark to post your thoughts, your questions, your suggestions. And until season two begins, this is George Sorori saying to all of you, Ever Upward and Excelsior. And speaking of Excelsior, I will see you on the next episode of Excelsior Journeys. Take care.